I want you guys to go to the book of Ephesians. Uh, we'll start off in chapter 5, then we'll go to 3, and then we'll go to 4, okay? So y'all remember that, right? 5, 3, 4, right? It's out of order. I know some of you are used to counting in order, so that might frag your brain a little bit, but it'll be okay. Uh, so how many of you remember the word that Bill gave to us as a church? Does anybody remember? Billy? And it, it generally was what? Yeah, it, it was, but he talked. He's talking about limitations, right? You know, we, here we are. We live in Hardin County. You know, and and you know what 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 great came out of Hardin County? I don't know. What? Clay Buckholtz. Anything else? Mark Henry. Yeah, hey, I actually was powerlifting when Mark Henry graduated. Man, that that was awesome to go watch. Mark Henry just like take all the weights in the whole gym and lift them, and you're like, good grief. Hey, he would get up there and squat all that weight, and he would just drop it, and the whole gym would like just bounce, you know, like, good grief, dude, you're going to break something. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, so we've had a couple of great things come out of Hardin County, right? A couple of good things. We got some, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, we've got some local legends in the area. I don't know about Hardin County specifically. We're known as like the outlaw county, right? The big thicket. This is where all the people came and hid during the Civil War and all the thugs and criminals hid, you know, during the Louisiana Purchase and all that stuff. I mean, really, we had a lot. This was like, yeah, this was like a hoodlum county, you know what I mean, when you, when you go to thinking about it. And uh, so, so, but you know what, I, I do believe, um, you know, I think you can, you can like, you know, not, not being a spiritualist like a Buddhist or a, or, or a weirdo or something like that and just make happy chants, you know, and think yourself out of a mess. But here's the deal. But when you begin to proclaim the Word of God in your life, now that's, that's something that'll get something done, right? I mean, when we begin to identify with who we are in Christ, uh, what, he's, what He's died for, what He's done for us, you know, you know that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for me even when He knew beforehand what I was going to do. You know what I mean? He he died for me. Despite that, you know what I mean. I'm I'm a I'm I I was a, an, a, a I was a fornicator. Then I was an adulterer. Uh, then I was I was a drunkard. I was a liar. I mean, I've done just about everything that I said I wouldn't do as a kid in church. And then, but when I got saved, God God forgave me of all of that and even the dumb things that I've done after I've gotten saved. And here I am today. I'm I'm actually He actually allowed me to be a pastor of a church. Who'd have thought that? You know, I tell people all the time that I went to school with, I'm a pastor. And they're like, are you for real? And they're like, you don't, you don't look like a pastor. And I say, thank you. And you don't act like a pastor. And I say, thank you again. You know, because, you know, you know what I mean. I don't want to be like this old religious stodgy dude that wears suits all the time, right? Um, so, thank you, sissy. Thank you, sissy. How are you doing? Good. Everybody, everybody say hi to sissy. She had a, a, a surgery this week, and she's been... Laid up, going crazy, because she won't, you know, she's a go-getter. She's a go-getter. And, uh, you know, and, and, and now all she's left with is Dusty to take care of her business. So y'all really pray for her. You know, that's, that's a bad place to be in, you know, so. <laughs> oh, them two aggravating each other all the time. I have to, you know, stir it up a little bit. But I want to I wanna talk about this, this mentality that Bill said, don't sell yourself short. Don't limit yourself. Don't, don't settle that, okay, we're just a church in Hardin County, so, you know, that we can't aspire to much. I remember years ago, uh, when, I, when I first 
became, I guess, the senior pastor, God really impressed on my heart to see a thousand people involved in Gateway Church. Now, when you think of it, because I'm a technical thinker, right? Like, when I don't have faith, at least I've got practical stuff inside of me, right? That can figure things out. Everybody's like, you don't have faith sometimes? Well, yeah, sometimes. But I just remember, you know, Fletcher Emanuel Church, when I was a kid, that church had well over a thousand people back in the 80s when there wasn't half the people that there are around this county. So I'm thinking it could very well be done again, right? So the practical side says, yeah, it can happen. But you know what? But not to the practical side. I, I want to see, I, I believe that, that God is waiting for a church to rise up and, and to do something great. Not just be the status quo, not just, you know, let's do this and that. I believe God's called us for a special purpose to bring a, a, an attitude of worship that is really not prevalent in our area. Uh, to bring an attitude of love that is not prevalent in our area. I mean, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of churches that were, were splits off of other churches. And I can say that we are not a split off of any church. This church here was just, it was a feed store. They sold feed, and there was about a half dozen people that met here. We were going to Fletcher. They called and said, would you, they called my dad, and he came over here. And a brother Vaughn even told my dad from Fletcher, says, you're the only one that did it right. That didn't just take, you know, half the flock and go off and start a church. So this, this church is, was started with, in, with, with good vision and good direction. And God has done so much in our life. I mean, my dad said some things in here that I don't have to worry about. I don't have to about the warring and the fighting and all these things. Dad put all that to rest. And when I, came, when I took over the church, there was a lot of things that I don't have to worry about or deal with. But there's still this future. There's still this destiny that God is calling us to. And, man, I, and, and like I would, I would feel like, man, I, I, I feel a thousand people. I'd talk to William, and he'd feel like it. And then, and then for practical reasons, I'd say, okay, well, maybe 500. You know, we'd go to design the building, and we would downsize. And I went, John Dunn, who was here in the presbytery four years ago, I went in there, we were at a meeting, and he walks up to me, and he says, hey, man, he says, you are selling yourself short. Your vision is growing littler when it should be growing bigger. And he, he told me this. He says, you stand, you know, on the church campus here at Hardin County. And I did. I used to. Still do. And I look, and I'm like, man, what, God, what are you going to do with this place? You know, Beaumont Colony, whatever's going to be significant happened here. I walked around last night when the power went off. Man, that was freaky. It was like apocalyptic. I was like, man, I got my pistol, but where's my pistol light? I was not ready for the situation. Um, so, you know, it was a good little test, you know, see what's going on. And I need, I need more candles, scented candles, because, you know, might as well smell good if you can see. So, but, but John told me, man, you've got to expand your vision. And that's what, that's what Bill was talking about, us, our vision. Our visions grow dim because Satan, all Satan wants to do is blind every bit of light you got out of your life. He wants to snuff you out. He wants to, he wants to cut your vision. He wants to stick cotton in your ears. He wants to put his hands over your eyes so you can't see or hear what God wants to do in your life. And once again, here they are, the, the guys last weekend, they tell me this and the church, you need to expand your vision. You need to open your vision. You need to look, you know, to, to, to don't limit yourself by what you see around you and hey we're not we're not south lake like up in dallas you know a bunch of rich folks that get all these nice you know just you know we're 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 simple blue collar working people in hardin county but we love jesus amen we love jesus and we know that jesus loves us and that's all you need you don't you don't need fame and fortune to spread the gospel you just need to know who loves you and what he's done for you amen i mean jesus selected jesus selected people like us you know, I mean, if Jesus would have been born in Hardin County, he would have found his disciples on Village Creek. 
He would have found them in the refineries. He would have found them, you know, just anywhere and everywhere. But, but I want to tell you this, is we need to not look at ourselves with earthly eyes. We need to begin to see how God created us and what God created us for. We need to have vision, you know, for our lives because your vision for your life affects the vision for the church. Because this church ain't going nowhere or nowhere farther until we collectively get a vision for it because the vision that God has given us individually. And so I, I, I see, I can see it now. We're going to have a church one day, and there's going to be over a thousand people in it. And, we're, and, and, and some of you people will be on staff, and we're going to be a church that, that is known for its worship and for its love for one another. That's what I see. And, and I want to see it come to pass. But here's the deal. I can, I can dream all day long, but unless I can rally the troops and get you guys all on board, then it ain't going to happen. You know, uh, uh, Bill talked about having a, a, a saw. You know, a saw can cut wood, but it's not going to cut wood until you lay your hand to it and begin to move that thing back and forth. So God has given us the power. He's given us the tools. We need to operate those tools to see what God can do. Amen? And so let's go to Ephesians real quick. And the first thing I want to tell you is this, is we are unlimited, okay? But I want to throw a clause in there. We're unlimited within the limits of God's will. Because, you know, you get, I, I just want to make sure that we don't get off course here because when we start thinking we're unlimited, well, what does that mean, to do what the heck I want? Or just, you know, I can do anything? You know, I love people, they say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can jump off a mountain without a parachute and be okay. No, you're going to smash your skull in and die and you'll meet Jesus a whole lot earlier than he probably intended on, you know? What I'm saying this is, is we are unlimited when the, the, the resources come from God. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is, he is Jehovah Rohi. He is our shepherd. He is our protector. Uh, he, is, he is our encourager. Amen? He gives us purpose. I mean, there's, there's every need that you have in life, God has a name for it. And, and that's the whole point of us getting to know God for who He is and what he, what, he, what he does in our lives and be thankful and be grateful and commit to that. But we are unlimited within the limits of God's will. Ephesians 5.15 says this, Look carefully then how you walk. Dad killed three water moccasins on our property yesterday. Guess what I'm going to be doing for the next month? I'm going to be carefully looking how I walk. I'm going to have a rifle, a shotgun, and a pistol everywhere I go now because this snake was like over five foot long, that big around. It was a water, all three of them were water moccasins. So I need a bunch of cats out there. I guess a cat could kill a water moccasin. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Understand that you do have limitations. But God can fill in where you are to be unlimited. It's, it's, God has to be the source. It says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You know, you know we don't have an infinite amount of time, right? You don't have forever to, to quit being a knucklehead. You don't have forever to become a, a godly spouse. You don't have forever to become a godly parent. You don't have forever to become a believer. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. That's what the Bible says. We don't have an unlimited amount of time. We need to make timely decisions. And Paul's saying here, look, you've got a limited amount of time to be unlimited in God's will, so you better get to thinking what you're doing and watch where you're going. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, how many of you know that God has a general will for all of us? I mean, hey, how many of you think God wants us to see people saved? How many of you think that God wants us to disciple people? How many of you think that God wants us to give our time, our talents, and our resources to build not our kingdom, but His kingdom and His church for His glory, not ours? That's what God wants us to do. And uh, so, so we need to really understand that. Uh, at the presbytery, we got a little clarity on God's will for individuals. God was able to speak through some godly men to say, Hey, you're, call, you're, you're called to be an evangelist. You're called to be a teacher. You're called to do this in the house of God. You see, so, is he, so not only does he have a specific will for all of us, but he has this big picture will that we all need to be a part of, that we all need to play into. That it, it, he's called us to be a team. Amen? He didn't call us to be individuals and do our own things. He called us to be a team. So in Ephesians chapter 3, flip over a page or two or however many. So verse 1 says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, <laughs> you Gentiles, and he was Jew, okay, so that's why y'all were you Gentiles. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. So Paul says that God had revealed to him a mystery. Okay? So there's a mystery. Let's find out what the mystery is. He says, uh, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. So this mystery is the mystery of Christ which has not made known to his holy apostles and prophets, well, I'm sorry, to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is, so here's what the mystery is, that the Gentiles, okay? So if you're not Jewish, we may have a couple of Jewish ancestors, but for the most part, I'd say that we're, a good percentage of us are Gentiles, right? You know, we're, we're, we're Scottish and Irish and English and Irish. I'm half Irish and English. I hate myself. You know what I mean? I just, I'm trying to, y'all pray for me that I deal with that. You got to go study history if you don't understand what that means. They don't get along too well. They do now. But, but it says, uh, you know, Gentiles. What's a Gentile? It's somebody that isn't Jewish, okay? We know that God uh, created the nation of Israel, which were what? Jewish. They were Hebrew. But what he wanted to do is he wanted to go beyond the nation of Israel and he wanted to include all of mankind into this plan uh, through Jesus Christ. And he says this mystery that the Gentiles are what? Fellow heirs. So all the promises that God made to the nation of Israel and all the dreams and will he had for them, we're now fellow heirs. What does an heir mean? That means there's an inheritance, amen? That means there's something coming to you because you are an heir. That means there is a promise that's going to be fulfilled in your life. That means you're going to get something, right? We all like getting stuff, right? That's why we go buy uh, lottery cards and stuff like that, right? We want to get something. Of course, it never works out most of the time. It says members of the same body. So we are members of the same body. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints... This grace was given to pre man. Am I getting mixed up or what? To preach to the Gentiles. I'm telling you, I think my, it's time for readers. To the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. 
Okay, so there's a mystery, right? And then there's the mystery, what it is. It's that Jesus died for Gentiles too, right? We are fellow, fellow inheritors. We are fellow body. So it isn't just Jews, it's the Gentiles alike. That was the mystery. It was accomplished through who? Jesus. But then he says here in verse 9, and to bring to light. So I want to, I want to shine the light on here. Last night it was dark. And my iPhone was like in the red. And I'm like, I don't have very much light. But Paul says, I want to shine a light on why God sent his son to die on the cross, this mysterious plan to include the Gentiles. He says, he says the light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery? So we know the mystery is Jesus dying for the Gentiles as well, but what is the plan of the mystery? You with me? What is the plan? Why did he do this? He says, hidden for ages in God. So nobody knew this. You know, Peter talks about the angels longing to look into the plan of God. They didn't, the angels didn't even know how God was going to redeem the world. They're like, God, how are you going to pull this off? These are some pretty jacked up people. He says, but it was hidden in age, in for ages in God who created all things, so that through the, say it with me, church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose. So what was God's eternal purpose? That through the church, His wisdom may be made known to the heavenly places, to the world, to everyone. And it was realized in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul says this, know what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. Don't waste your time. And here's the will of the Lord. He's, he, this is all in Ephesians. He says this, the will of the Lord is this, is that he secretly sent Jesus to die on the cross so that not only the Jews would be inheritors, but the Gentiles alike, and that through the church I will become made known. Amen? Through the church. What is the church? Is it, is it a 501c3, you know, a nonprofit organization? Is it a building? Is it an association? No. It is God's people collectively come together for the purposes of His will and His glory to build His kingdom. Amen? There is no singularity in there. I'm not on my own. Will's not on his own. Corey's not on his own. Monto's not on his own. We all here are to be here a part of the body. I mean, if you could graphically illustrate this and, and, I mean, and make a model of it, we're all connected. Through bone and through sinew and through, through muscle and through, you know, we're a body. And Jesus is the head. And, and as a body, we are to follow the head and obey the head to do everything that he's called us to do. You know, we always talk about the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the hands and the feet of Christ. We are his body. We're a part of the family. We're related. How many of you know that if you're saved that we're related? You know, it's funny because growing up in church, you know, how many of y'all know we called each other what? Brother and sister, right? I don't know what the deal is, but here you're called an aunt or an uncle. All the kids call me Uncle Chad. I'm like, okay, I'm your uncle, whatever you say. It's, I don't know who started that, but that's what goes on around here. But hey, it's, it's a family title, right? We're related. And you know, and, that, and that's, the way, that's the way it is meant to be, and that's the way that it should be. But the mystery is, he, he shines light on the mystery, the plan of the mystery, and that is his church. So if we want to efficiently and effectively serve God, how do we do it? By being a part of His church. By being committed to the church. 
by finding our places in the church, by being a part of the body. And so the first thing, once again, is when we are, un- we, we are unlimited within the limits of God's will, you know, we need to be in God's will. I want, I want you to think about this. Think, look, at, look at Moses and look at David and look at Joseph. Look how great of things that they did. Joseph became the second most powerful man in the world. But how limited do you think he felt when he was in prison? How limited do you think he felt when he was in the pit? How limited do you think he felt when his brother sold him into slavery? How limited do you think Moses' mother felt when she took her little baby? Let's, let's review the story. The Jews, right, of which we are now inheritors with, there was too many of them. And Pharaoh said, we got to do something about these pests called Jews. Why? Because Satan wanted to use Pharaoh to wipe out God's plan. But you can't wipe out God's plan, amen? Because when God has a plan, it's going to come to pass. Whether you want to be a part of it or not, it's going to happen, amen? And so, and so Pharaoh said, we're going to kill all the baby Jews, all the males. That way we can exterminate these, these little menaces, you know. Because let me tell you something. God is a threat to the world and the people of the world and the mentality of this world and the powers of the world. And Satan wants to snuff us out. And all he wants us to do is to feel limited like we have nothing to offer. And 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. Amen. As each, you're in each. If you're here, you're in each. And God has gifted you to serve. But what happens is we, when we look upon ourselves, we do feel limited because it's us. But when we look at us as a team, when we look at us as a body, man, we're unstoppable. But Moses' mother, man, she trusted in God and she took her little baby and she took leaves and twigs and tar and she made a little ark and she stuck her little baby in that ark. Could you imagine? And pushed him out in the Nile River. I don't even like my kids you know, playing around my house because they're going to get snake bit. And this river is infested with crocodiles and snakes. And the baby could drown. All the things that could have happened to Moses. She felt so limited outside of God of what she could do. And she took that little ark and put him in the water. And he floated down there through the midst of all those things. And God put him in the right place. And he went from being a slave that was to be put to death to a dead gum prince. And he went from being a prince and he went to being a shepherd. And then he went and he delivered his own people from the hand of Pharaoh. And he had every reason and every excuse to think, I can't do this. He even made those excuses. I'm hair-lipped, I can't talk right. Okay, well, we'll give you Aaron to be your speaker. I mean, every excuse that he had, God gave him a way to get over that excuse. Amen? And we need to quit making excuses and we need to begin to realize that God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And we need to step up and say, God, what have you called me to do? Because the difference in these guys' lives is they went from being limited. And one day they met an unlimited God. And that unlimited God removed the chains, he removed the lids, he removed the obstacles and said, you follow me and I'll get you where I want you to go. Amen. And these guys gave their lives to follow God, not their desires, not their dreams. And you know what? Everything that God wanted them to do, they accomplished it when they met the unlimiting God. And that's what we need to do. There should be no limits on us other than what God limits us. There are limits that God puts on us. Don't do this, that's stupid, but do this. But when we look at ourselves, we need to realize that God is our provider. He is our protector. He is our encourager. He is our Father. He loves us. Amen? 
He does. And we, we, we need to come, we need to just run smack into an unlimiting God and allow Him to change our lives and to follow through what we were created for from the beginning. That's what we need to do. Moses was a shepherd. He thought, I'm complacent with this. this I'm just going to raise sheep the rest of my life. And he comes upon a burning bush. David, while he was a shepherd boy, he killed a lion and he killed a bear, you know, with his hands and, 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 and not knowing that God was preparing him for one day when a prophet would come and pick the most unlikely son. He poured oil all over his head and said, you're going to be the next king. And you know what? He still had to go through some trials with Saul before he became king. But you know what? He said, hey, if God is for me, who can be against me? If a giant comes in my way, I'll just kill him because you ain't going to talk about my God like that. Amen? And, and we see what happened to David. And this is what God wants to do in your life. God wants to, you to trust in him with what you feel like is limiting you in your life. Now hear me out. If, you try to, if, if, you're, all about your, if you're all about your glory and about your will, then yeah, God's not going to support that. But let me tell you something, there is no sweeter place to be than in the will of the Father, to dwell in the house of the Lord, amen, and to do His will. So the number two thing I want to tell you today is this, is when we have a limited view of ourself, we offer a limited version of ourself. So many people today, man, so many people, so people won't, they won't volunteer because they feel like they don't have anything to offer. Or they feel like they've messed up too much. Let me tell you something. I've messed up just as much or more than most of you. But God is a redeemer. Amen? God, God, God is a changer. God is a, God is a, a transformer. And, but God, the, the night I got saved, man, I fell on my face. I said, God, you can have all this, and I'll give you all that I have. And, and it's like it just changed my life immediately. And I began, I began, I ran into an unlimiting God. And all those things that I thought I couldn't do to serve Him, I just slowly began to do them. Not, you know what? I, I, I just made myself available. See, we look at ability and we limit ourselves. Here's, you know how you get ability? By making yourself available so that you can become a servant and that you develop and discover your ability. Ability takes maturity. It takes teaching. It takes training. It takes time to build. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15, it says this, And he gave the prophets, I'm sorry, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. How many of you know that you're saints? A lot of you think, well, I'm not on a coin or a necklace. So, when the Bible talks about saints, it's talking about people that are the children of God. It talks about born-again believers. It talks about people that are the body of Christ. If you're saved, if you're a Christian, you're a part of the body of Christ automatically. If you're saved, if you're a Christian, you are a saint of God. You're a saint, saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? But it says here that the, 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 this five-fold ministry, which is actually given by Jesus, if you read earlier, it says it, it equips the church, it equips the body, it equips the saints for what? Ministry. How many, how many of you did you know, how many of you knew that you were actually called to be a minister? See, we, we, we messed up some words. Minister is for everybody. 
Minister isn't just preachers and missionaries. Everybody is called to ministry. It is the church's responsibility to develop the saints into ministers. And the way you minister is by making yourself available to say, hey, I'm here to serve. And as you serve, you'll begin to, the church will identify an ability that you have. And they'll say, hey, that guy must be a teacher. Or this guy must be a prophet. Or this guy must be, you know, a servant. Or, you know what I'm saying? That the, your, your ability will be identified when you begin to use it, and it becomes obvious to everybody else. We weren't called to ordain ourselves. You don't, you don't, go, you don't lay your hands on yourself and say, I, I am what I wish to be. Bam, I'm a prophet. Have you ever had a prophetic word? Nope. That might be an issue. I'm an evangelist. Have you ever led somebody to Christ? No. Well, that might be an issue. You see what I'm saying? I, I'm a marriage counselor. How many, you know, how many times you've been married? As, as many legal times as I can in, in the state of Texas. Well, maybe you need to work on that. You see what I'm saying? We, but what we need to do is we get in the church and serve, and the Bible says that in the church you will be noticed by your gifts, and then the, the elders will lay their hands on you to say, uh, we're going to set this guy in or this lady in for what she's called to do. You ever watch Blue's Clues when you were a kid? They're called Clues. That's like Dusty. It, it, it did me so good to hear Bill Lakey look at him and say, you're an evangelist. I wanted to say, well, duh, I already called that, buddy, before you did. But, but you know, I mean, it was so awesome because Dusty, Dusty calls me every day. Hey, how do I land this deal? I'm trying to get this dude saved. And I had to tell you one time, right, not all of them are going to receive it, right? But, but just to see how crazy he is about seeing people come to Jesus, amen? That's because he, he, he's a gift to us. All of you guys are gifts to us. But that's, that's, what, that's what God created him to do. And you know what? He's, he's, not, he's just now cutting his teeth, but he's going to mature. He's going to grow. And we're going to see greater things out of him, just like all of you. Because it ain't just about your gifting. It's about your maturity, too. That's something else that happens in the, in the body of Christ. So we're to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Not tearing it down. How many people have you seen are good at tearing the body of Christ down? By hate and dis dissent and all that. They just, we, we, they're the imps of the devil. You know, they're just here to cause trouble. They, they're not here to do what God's calling them to do. It says, until we all attain, attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to what? Mature manhood. So we're here to serve, develop our ministries, and to mature into manhood. And to mature into womanhood as, as child, children of God to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. We need to agree. Amen? Now, granted, there's, there's petty things I could care less about. But when we talk about salvation, whatever's coming out of my mouth, and if you're going to be somebody ministering in this church, you need to be saying the exact same thing I do. Because, I mean, you know, we, we, we feel like, hey, this is where we stand on the Word of God, and we need to be in agreement. Um... It says, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Satan wants to limit you by foolery, by, by my mess, challenging your, what, your, your beliefs, by challenging you with deceitful people, by challenging you with relationships. And in verse 15, it says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to what? Grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Amen? So, so this mystery, the plan of the mystery is the church. The church is to help you develop as a mature minister. Not just a minister, but a mature minister. 
And so what does that mean? It means you've got to commit to the church to allow yourself to be matured. You need to be a part of the Bible studies. You need to be a part of the relationships. You see, I, man, it just ticks me off people that are too godly to go to just a fellowship. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Well, if you aren't going to pull out the Bible, I'm not going to be there. You listen, there's a time to study the Scripture, and there's a time just to sit down and eat and talk. Amen? Because I tell you what, you can be full of the world, and you can be the crappiest friend that ever existed. And you can go live in a cave for seven years and read the Bible and memorize it front to back and be more crazier than a, than a nut, you know, because, because that Word comes to life in our relationships. That Word comes to life in us walking it out in our relationships with people. And t- let me tell you something, there's not a perfect church anywhere in the world. There's some, there, could, there's, there could be some serious issues that need to be dealt with. But if you're looking for perfect, perfection, you'll never find it. Why? Because you're not perfect. Hey! you got to put up with us because we got to put up with you. Right? And I'm going to tell you what, the, some of the best relationships you'll ever have are with people who you've struggled through the faith with, who you've been crossed up with, and you've gotten reconciled and worked things out to say, hey, I still love you and you still love me, and let's just get all past this. Amen? That's what it's about, reconciliation. You're going to have problems with people. It's going to happen. But reconciliation is the goal. But you're called to be a minister and you're called to be a part of the team that is the church. So, so what I'm saying is this, is for this church to reach its potential, you guys are going to have to see the potential you have individually. And then we're going to have to put all that together collectively to see it come to pass. The, the, the yard's got to be mowed, the weed's got to be picked, the diaper's got to be changed, the word's got to be preached, the word's got to be teached, people got to be saved. Functions have got to be, you know, served and, and done. People got to be fed. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we, we need to say, hey, this is our responsibility because it is. All of ours. And we need to do it wholeheartedly, understanding that as I do this, I'm going to mature. And as I do this, God's going to begin to show me, hey, this is what you were created for. But here's the, here's the big error I see today. I see people, they don't want to, So how's God going to work through his what? Church. Church is the vehicle, right? I see so many people trying to use the wrong vehicle to get to where God wants them to go. God done said, my, my, my plan is going to unfold in his church, but people don't want to connect to a local body. And there's no, there's no accountability, there's no leadership, and there's nobody to identify you when you actually begin to mature and grow in what God has called you to do. But, but, but to minister without local body participation is just... It's not healthy. It's not God's plan. It's not God's will. Why? Because sometimes people, they go out and want to, they want to be the center of attention. They want to be about their glory and their will. And God says, no, you need to be a part of a team. You need to do this collectively. But you grow in the local body, you serve in the local body, and you're identified in the local body. What you're good at will become obvious when you put yourself out there. You know, I love the scripture in Proverbs. I can't quote it exactly, but it says... You know, a man that is basically great at what he does will stand before kings. And it's the same thing with ministry. He that is faithful with the little will become faithful with much. And you've got to, you've got to get connected to the local body to grow and to, to be what God has called you to be. But we're not called to do our own things, but to be a part of the local body, serving the vision of the church, not our own, not our own visions. And you know what? The vision comes from the Word. People got to be saved. People need to be baptized. People need to be filled with the Spirit. People need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. People need to work out their relationships. You see what I'm saying? It, is, it takes all of us to know how to do this and to help them. 
And then the last thing. When we offer a limited version of ourself, we limit the church. I mean, think about it. If the church potential rests on the potential of all the people in the church and nobody's reaching their potential, man, this sounds like a like power speech, like I'm at a business luncheon. You know, I love that deal with Pinocchio. Have you ever seen the Pin- Pinocchio on the Aflac commercial? He goes, you have potential, and you have potential, and you have potential. And every time he does that, his nose grows. Bill said it last week. In other words, he's lying. None of these people have potential. Uh, but, but, but think about it. If, if, if a collective people, if the potential rests on the, on the collection of these people, but nobody really reaches out to reach what God wants them to do, how's that going to affect the whole body? Listen, I'm not up here saying, you're screwing up the church because you're not reaching your potential. I'm telling you this. Tell Satan to stick it in his ear and that he ain't the boss of you and that God has created you and that God's going to lead you. And if you follow the Lord and you become faithful to him and if you become as passionate about the church as Jesus does, then he's not going to have any bearing on your life. And you're going to be able to do what he's called you to do. And you're going to have a great effect on this. You know, there, we're, I'm not going to walk over there and personally finance a brand new sanctuary to see all these thousands. You know, it's going to take all of us. And it's going to take us praying. It's going to take us sacrificing. It's going to take us giving and serving and painting and planting grass or whatever it is that we need to do. But when we offer a limited version of ourselves, we limit the church. And, and so many of you guys have so much potential, but you've got you've to put yourself out there. How much faith do you think it took for David to go and confront Goliath? How much faith did it take Moses to go look Pharaoh in the eye and say, let all my people go? You know? And we're just asking, you know, hey, how much faith is it going to take for you to step up and say, hey, I want to I serve in the little ways and, and then develop myself in the big ways. But Ephesians 4.16, this is the last of what I just read a while ago. So it says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. So how connected are we? Pretty dang connected. With which it is equipped. Listen, when each part, so if you're in each, we're in each is right. When each part is working, how? Properly. When each part is doing its potential that God created it to be, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see that? This rests on all of us. All of our participation can affect the church. This limitation that we put on ourselves, it limits the church. But when we begin to see God for who He is and what He intends to do, think of how many churches, if they would catch that, would just grow. And it ain't, about, it ain't about just getting a bunch of people together. It's about seeing lives change so so cataclysmically that it affects counties, that it affects states, that it affects nations. It's awesome that, you know, we, we went to Poland and, 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 and talk, taught them about worship, how it changed their church. It inspired them. We, we need to be... We don't need to be people that just go to church every week and our lives are crap. We need to go to church every week and people need to see the power of God working in our lives. We're like, dang, I want some of that too. Amen? This is a hospital for a season. Amen? Hey, we understand when you come here, you broke down, we got to get you unbroke so that you can begin to get on down the road and help us help other people. Amen? 
You know, being spiritually, spiritual sickness is not a permanent place that we need to stay. It's a place that we need to get healing and get through so that we can help other people be healed. But just think about Moses. What if his mom would have just said, there's nothing I can do, and he got killed? You know, she, she believed in the potential because of what God put on her heart. What if Moses would have just looked at God and said, I can't do this. You're going to have to find somebody else. But you know what? Even though Moses did make excuses, God still gave him ways. He met every need. He gave him a, he gave him a magical staff. He gave him, a, he gave him a, a man that could speak well when he was, had a crooked speech. I mean, so he, he provided all these needs. And you know what? You look at yourself and you think, well, I'm limited. You know what? You're limiting yourself. You're allowing Satan to limit you. And you need, to, you need to know what the will of the Lord is. And that's for you to be a part of his church and to give your, our lives to make the church succeed and grow. Not, not as some business venture, but that the most people we see come to Christ is a win. The most people that we see healed, it's a win. The most people that we see set free in the name of Jesus, it's a win. The marriages that we can hold together, it's a win. The children that we can help grow up in the admonition of the Lord, it's a win. Do you see what I'm saying? It's about the kingdom, walking in the kingdom and expanding the kingdom of God. But here's the deal. Satan wants to limit your will. Satan wants to limit you. Satan wants you to not have any effect on God's body. You know what Satan does? You ever played chess? Satan looks at you sometimes and he says, Checkmate, I got you right where I want you. When, when Moses' mom put him in the ark of the, in the river, Satan was whispering in her ear, Checkmate, I got you where I want you. What are you going to do about it now? When Joseph was thrown in the pit, Satan was there to go, checkmate, I got you where I want you. What you going to do about it now? When Joseph was sold into slavery, checkmate. When he went into the prison, checkmate. But let me tell you something about God. God always, always has one more move. You can't checkmate God. You can't put God in a corner. You can't limit God because he is an unlimited God. Amen? the Lord of our lives, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And we need to understand that. So I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. You know, I want you to think about what I said. I want you to ask, ask, just listen to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to hear today? Allow the Holy Spirit to open your ears, to open your eyes. And I want to ask you this. I just read to you the, 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 the awesome plan of God that was a secret plan. Man, this was like a covert special ops mission that was secret until Jesus walked on the scene and gave his life to make it available for the Gentiles to be a part of his church so that he could manifest himself through the church. And you know what? He's looking for people that will say, Hey, I will help build this church. I will help do whatever I can at this moment. And I will commit to growing, and I will commit to serving. And whether I'm mopping, whether I'm even preaching one day, whether I'm changing a diaper, I will understand that what I'm doing is having a positive effect on the plan and the will of God to build His church. 
when, when, a, when a visitor shows up at my church, I will greet them knowing that it is important that they feel loved and that they feel welcomed. And that I will make sure that they feel that this is a place where they can make their home. But what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? How many of you today, just be honest, and you say, I, feel, I do feel limited. How many of you just lift your hands and say, I do feel limited. Amen? You know what? You don't have to feel limited today. You can walk out of here totally relying on God and saying, you know what? We can deal with these limitations. Some of you maybe hit, maybe maybe you got you got in you were doing God's will and you got off track. You know what? You can get on track. God's always got one more move. Amen. But let me ask you this. You know, some of you, you, you guys come to church and I want to encourage you, come to Wednesday nights so that you can mature in the word. But how many of you are actually allowing yourselves to minister in this body by serving? By being a part of a team, you know, whether it be the kids' team, the men's team, the women's team, the maintenance team, whatever. You know, but how many of you are saying, you know what, I need to step out and make myself available and remove the limits off my life by making myself available to serve? How many of you today would say, that's me, while no one's looking? Amen? All right. Well, you know what, today's a great day as any to make a decision. I remember uh, Robbie Levinas used to say that all the time. It's a glorious day to make a decision. Amen. So I want you to do this. I want William to come down and, and uh, Adam and Corey and Rachel. I just want everybody to stand while we just worship. We're not going to be here much longer. We're fixing to go. But look, if you today say, I want to commit to uh, being a part of the church and committing to serving and helping it succeed, but I want a little bit of direction. Maybe you just want somebody to pray with your decision so that we can help you find where it's best for you to serve. If that's you today, and you raised your hand, come down and let these guys pray with you uh, before we go. I think it's very important that uh, God speaks into your life and that you make yourself available. So if that's you, you guys come while Sharissa sings.